0: Today, I have a question for you. Um, As we we go into this, I plan to talk about faith today. Faith is not a topic I talk about a lot, primarily because it's very misunderstood. I feel like when I say, Do you have faith, we automatically are on the wrong foot because there's a different understanding to it, right? So, I want to talk about biblical faith. What does it mean to have faith in Christ? So, to get to the root of this, to kind of dig it up a little bit, the question I want to ask you is this. How hard has it been for you up until this point to be a Christian in this world? How difficult has it been for you to be a Christian? If you hadn't been a Christian, how much harder would it have been? How hard has it been? Now, to that also, think about today, think about this week. What parts of your faith have required you to literally have faith this week? Now, there's all sorts of answers, you know, that I expect to hear a little bit. But here's the crux of it. The idea that I think most of us have been taught is that because we are in a society and in a country that is much more conducive, right, to allowing us to live out this Christian life, that it would be easier for us. And there are certain challenges that we do not have to face. There are certain horrors and pains that we do not have to face in this country, right? But understand this fundamentally the Christian way of life is to go against any stream that you are ever in and here's why because to live according to the way of the cross means to live contrary to human nature things that come naturally to us things that we do whenever we are faced with difficulty, problems, challenges, to follow Jesus will always cause you to go against the grain, right? There is a, a, a rough road that we would experience. So if our experience of being a Christian has not been difficult, now I'm not saying that life hasn't been difficult, right? But I mean to be a Christian in this world, if you haven't experienced it as a difficult thing, have we been truly living this way of life now? Now, here's why. Because the true Christian tenets, right, the things that we believe as Christians, let's be honest, if you would really examine them and to, to kind of to soak them in, to chew on them, to really kind of, to allow these things to go from words to realities, these things are absurd. To be a Christian is, is truly to live in a way that does not make any logical sense. It's a way of living that should not thrive in any culture at any time because it does not do the things you have to do to take care of you. It's contrary to these things. Now, often things that we would call having faith, things that we would call uh, following Jesus, often these things we slap a smile on it or we, we put a prayer on something or we, we put niceties or uh, manners on something. We might even put a Bible verse on this thing and believe that that is having faith. I remember whenever I, um, whenever I was a teenager, I believed a major part of being a Christian was not watching anything over PG. Do you know what I'm talking about? We had a big crisis when the Passion of the Christ came out and it was rated R. Churches all across the country were torn. How do we be faithful to Jesus and watch a movie about Jesus? How do we do it? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, sounds silly now, but this was a big deal. Pastors were losing their jobs over this, okay? It's a big thing to us. Because we confused being nice or being clean or living a certain way with having faith. We didn't realize what it really meant to follow Jesus. If you guys have your Bibles, I'm going to read a long passage, and here's why. Because we need to let it soak in a little bit, right? So, as always, I'm going to use the message today. If, if, if you prefer the NIV, you can. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Again, we've all heard it, and that's why I want to use the message today. It's so effective. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Sorry, I started reading the NIV. Apologies, here we go. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, if you, have, uh, if you underline anything, underline that, Do you know Christ Jesus as your master? Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I'll say that the Greek word used here is not as polite as dog dung. I've dumped it it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Now, stop there. I've dumped everything that had value in the world that I used to know. I've dumped it in the trash so that I could do something, so that I could embrace Christ. I have an image of holding anything, right? The idea is that I can't embrace Christ while holding whatever these things are that I'm holding. Now, in the churches I grew up in, we taught that these things we would hold, um, we called it the world, and we would call it like you know, cursing and bad movies and like kissing girls right we would say that is that's the world that you're holding you got to drop that or you can't ever hold Jesus cuz there's no room for the holy spirit when you're dancing too close amen okay you get the idea right i want you to understand this this verse is not written in a time where the idea of of the world meant the things that it means to us the world in this passage these things that he's holding is every other type of life, every other type of value system, every other type of of way of living or doing things that isn't centered on the cross. And now that's going to make more sense here in a minute. So that I might be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness. Hold on. Stay with me. Some petty, inferior brand of righteousness. The knockoff brand have you guys ever gotten that you know when you you could you could splurge for the clareton but you could save half as much and get the cheap stuff you know what i'm talking about he didn't want the cheap stuff right which comes from what comes from keeping a list of rules what would that be the list of rules right being nice We're going to pray over everything. If it doesn't have a Bible verse in it, it's not faith. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to make sure that I act clean and I do clean and I think clean. These are the things that he's saying he dropped. The list of rules, it's an inferior form of righteousness. When I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff. So I can know Christ personally. Experience the resurrection power. Be a partner in his suffering. And go all the way with him to death itself. Now let's just stop for a second. Does this sound like the kind of life that you have lived up to this part? Now I'm, there's no condemnation here. I'm saying all of this as these are all things that we naturally are, have been avoiding. Because the types of churches that we've grown up in had the best intentions, and I've been a part of these, We had the best intentions, but there were things that we were missing. And in these best intentions, we've all drifted away from what it is to follow Jesus. We've called so many things Christian and faith that had nothing to do with either or. Has your life looked like this? Have you experienced a resurrection power? Have you partnered in Christ's sufferings? Have you committed to go all the way with him to death itself, meaning experiencing sufferings all the way until death? If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I haven't made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Just pause there. And again, the NIV makes this very clear as well. There's a picture of the Father calling us on, run faster, come on, come on. And the goal, the line we're running to It's not some picture of holiness that you've had. It's not a Christian nation which you've pictured. It's not riches or wealth or power or having a beautiful life. The line is, am I running to live a life that looks like Jesus? And because of this, this is what I'm trying to say to you. If you have lived a life trying to imitate Jesus, you have suffered every single step of the way. In the moments and areas that we have not tried to imitate Jesus... We have avoided the path of suffering. I lost my place as I normally do when I start preaching. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focus on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. What does your faith look like? Does your faith look anything like total commitment? I just want to read that all over again. For those of us who want everything God has, here's the prerequisite. You will experience this kind of life when this is what you want, when you want everything that God has. I experienced a faith where I wanted some of what God had. Particularly, I wanted to be forgiven of my sins, because that sounded terrific, and I really wanted to not experience hell. I don't like fire, and the idea of feeling fire and feeling fire with no end was not appealing to me, so I wanted that bit as well. But did that mean that I wanted everything that God had for me? If you want everything that God has for you, here's what it requires. Nothing less than total commitment. To be all in. Man, I love this. It feels like what I'm preaching is radical, but truthfully, like this is the most simple like Bible basics. This is what we should be teaching in the nurseries. So to follow Jesus, Now, it doesn't sound right, right? You know, it it doesn't sound Christian because it doesn't sound pleasant and kind. It it, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, refined. When you picture the Christian preacher or, or the message, everything just seems nice and neat. But it's, oh. The farther we get from the cross, the nicer we can make it, right? The farther that we get from the cross, the more attractive we can make it. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that everything about the faith centers in one space. The Old Testament is terrific, lots of value. If you understand it correctly, you know that it's all a giant arrow pointing to what is about to happen in history on the cross. All the epistles are terrific, but if you read the epistles without understanding the cross, you get another list of do's and don'ts. It's just as useless as the Old Testament without the cross. The book of Revelation is tons of fun. All sorts of exciting exciting guessing games. Well, I think this is the Antichrist, and this is how the world... And can't you just tell the world's coming to an end? It's all a blast unless you reorient it to the cross, and now you see what John's Revelation is about. Everything in the Christian faith can be perverted to become anything you want it to be if you leave the center point of the faith, The cross. This is where it all begins and ends for us. The entire faith that that we say that we believe is centered on an ugly picture that's supposed to show us what true love and beauty looks like. It's supposed to tell us that the only way to the life and fulfillment that we want is through death to this life and self. But yet it's the least common thing that I hear from any Christian that I ever talk to. When people talk to me about having faith, about trusting God, typically it has something to do with something else that they want added to their life. Or some other form of pain they want taken away from their life. I'm just having faith, trusting God for this bad thing to be taken away or this good thing to be added to my life. What it means to have faith as a Christian means to trust that God is going to be faithful, meaning to, to stay by our side as we go through the highs and lows of a broken world, as we go through pain and joy and suffering and loss and, and, and gifts, as we go through this life with a God who's faithful to us, because the ultimate promise is not in this life. It's on the other side. If you notice what the Apostle Paul said is, I did all this, I gave up everything with the hope that I might experience the resurrection of the dead. And the part that's so hard for me as a pastor and a preacher right now is that I know these are just words still. They're just bouncing off our heads right now because we've heard them so many times. These words have been taught to us with no gravity, no weight. It doesn't mean anything to us. And I know it doesn't mean anything to us. You can literally see the realities in someone's life. Um, Brian Boster works... uh, the fire department. And he, almost every time I talk to him, he mentions the dangers of driving on the interstate. I don't like talking to Brian about that. I always change the topic. I don't want to think about it. I don't need to know. Brian will literally choose routes that take all of the smaller roads to go places. He will avoid the interstate if he can. Why? Why? Because his job literally makes it come face to face with the realities of how danger driving 75 miles an hour on, on a road can be. What happens when two metal boxes collide at 75 miles an hour? He's seen it. I do not ever want to see it. He lives with the gravity of the weight of the words. And to me, they're just ideas. They're cute and a little scary. And it makes them a little weird sometimes. Oh, you, you don't ever use the interstate. Okay, great. You'd rather drive an extra half an hour. Cool. You can tell when someone knows something, when they know it, when you just kind of, I think I get it. There's a difference between those two different people. You can always tell there's a gravity, a weight, when someone truly gets it. So, I want to explain three things three areas of our lives that if you desire to follow Jesus with everything, even with everything God has, here are three ideas that are essential, three areas that we need to have faith in. It's okay to have faith for God to take pain away or to add something to our lives. It's okay to pray for a parking space. That's great. But this is where you have to have faith as as a Christian. Here's the first one. We have to have faith... That God is love. And already, you're already thinking, yeah, but, you know, so is he going to add that God's also righteous? Hmm. Here is why this is a difficult thing for you to affect. Here's why you don't really believe it. To believe that God is love Is to believe that in this world, in your experience, where you have already been wounded, been hurt, been let down, been disappointed, been, been abused, been mistreated, where you've lost people that you love and things that you love, to believe in this world that has hurt you and taken things from you so deeply, where the people you needed to love you didn't love you, to believe that God is love is to believe that at the center of this universe where there's so much danger and chaos and things we can't control, to believe that at the center of this existence, we are safe and that we are loved. To live every single moment of your life as if you will be just fine. Because at the heart of all of this, behind all of these screens and mirrors, behind all of this is love. And that is much harder for any human being to believe than to believe that God is angry or just or righteous. I don't need help believing that. I've already experienced how awful human beings can be. I've already experienced the consequences of my choices. I get that. But to get me to believe in something I've never experienced, that takes what? Faith. Faith. is a difficult thing to embrace because it's not what we've experienced. It is in contradiction to the experiences that most of us have had in this room. We've had good moments, yes. We've had great moments, yes. And if you've been able to be a parent, if that's something that's in your heart you want to do, most of us strive to create a, a bubble for our children where they experience a safe world where they're loved because we know what's out there to live your life, to believe that God is love, to believe that on the cross we have a picture that this God is not the same God that the Israels hid from on the mountain, that when God called them up on the mountain and they saw lightning and thunder and they hid from that God, we believe that truthfully in Jesus we see the fuller picture that this God can be trusted and that the very essence, the very heart of this universe is that there is love for us and that we are safe. And again, to live this way is in contradiction to the world. It's in contradiction to your instincts, to your nature, to your survival instincts. If you believe in science and things like this, it's in contradiction to your survival instincts. To work your way up the ladder is to do what? To take care of yourself because no one else will take care of you. It's what we do to be the best in sports, whatever it is. You get the idea. Here's the second tenet of our faith. Now, I've simplified these things. I've taken all these from things that we consider the Christian creeds, things that the church has believed for about 2,000 years, and I've tried to simplify them with some really common language. The second thing that we believe, which demands faith, is that Jesus is the answer to a broken world, and to a broken people. Now, you know, we all say, yeah, of course I believe that. Do you really believe that? Again, you can see the gravity in people who believe it or not. I'm not here to tell you that to be involved in politics or to put, you know, to believe that a certain candidate is better than another is anti-Christian. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is that we as Christians, and especially the American church, The reason we are so drawn to get engaged in politics is because it's so easy to believe we can change things if we're in control. We understand that kind of power. We get how laws and policies and government officials, we get how that works. We get how all these things can change. I think we could change the world for better if we have worldly power. This is why we're obsessed with it. At the heart of it is that we don't truly believe that prayer is going to change the world. We don't truly believe that fasting will change the world. We believe we can pray and fast to get the right official in the office and then they will change the world. We don't really believe that church is going to save the world the way that the gospel tells us. That Jesus would transform the world through his bride, the church. We don't believe it. And so we are so willing to put all our hope and trust in things we can see and touch, things we can understand, that we're willing to even fight against other believers in the faith because we believe that our true Savior is whatever power source we're looking at, whether it's money or politics, weapons, whatever thing is. we truly put our hope and faith and safety in these things because we can control them. The reason that being a Christian should be difficult for you is every day you wake up and have to choose to put your energy and time into believing that Jesus is the salvation of the world. And in part of believing that Jesus is going to save the word. you also believe his bride is. We, we say it all the time, oh, the church is the what of, Je- of Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus. Our actions tell us we believe the government is the hands and feet of Jesus, that money is how the kingdom work gets done. Power, influence, numbers, just the way that any other organization or any other nation gets stuff done, that's how we think the kingdom is going to come, because we don't really believe the faith. Or I'll, I'll even offer this. Maybe we, we just are ignorant and we don't know that this is the actual faith. I think that's possible. To do this means that we are putting the majority of our trust into a God that we cannot control, we cannot see. We can hardly connect as easily as we can to this other world. We don't believe it. We don't truly have faith. This is what Christian faith looks like. I'm always tempted to go into history lessons, but the reason that we have a church today is that people were dragged off to death Sacrificed and had to experience all kinds of awful things because they believed that salvation would come in being faithful to Christ as opposed to amassing power and armies and money and wealth and influence. But it demands faith and we don't have it. Here's the third one that we have to have faith in if we're going to be faithful to the way of the cross. We have to have faith that this life is not the end. Now again, it's possible that I could be wrong in this. I could. But I feel like the majority of people who came to the faith in the United States in the last hundred years, we'll say, I feel like the majority of us, most of us, were driven here to avoid this thing we call hell. Rather, than coming here to pursue this thing that we call heaven, or, and I, I even hate to, to summarize it as that, but life after death, the resurrection of the dead. It blew my mind the, the first year I was pastoring here at Grace Church, I preached a sermon on the Christian hope that we, that Christians, the Christian faith believes in the resurrection of the actual physical body. And I had so many people just be like, whoa, what are you talking about? It's spirit. And I had to lead them through the scriptures and through church history, and my goodness, even I had to show them tombstones and the word that Christians used to put on their tombstone. Resurgum. Because the faith is, and what the Apostle Paul is just talking about here, was that he would, he would be able to hold on to, to attain to the resurrection of the dead. The reason that on the third day when the body of Christ rose, literally we we have Roman annals of history that record that there were dead corpses walking the streets in Jerusalem. Do we believe that this life is not the end? Again, I don't see that in us, in myself. Most days I don't see that. If we believed our faith, if this is actually what we had faith in as opposed to the same things that the world has faith in, we would put the majority of our time, our energy and our resources into investing into the life to come. If you literally believed, if you truly believe in the depths of who you are, that you are going to live in another world that's going to exist for a million years, 10 million years, an eternity whatever that might be in your mind that you can fathom, if you actually believe that's where you're going to be existing longer than this world, where would you be investing your time and energy? I talked to some of my favorite people at the church here um, in the last few months with COVID. And as we talked, we kind of challenged each other in some different things. And, and the one thing I want to ask everyone I talk to is, like, hey, so why haven't you been engaged? Have you started a table group? Why haven't you started a table group? And the most common theme that I'm hearing from all of them is, I've just got too much going on. It's just too much work. It's too much on top of my life. I just need God to take a little less. Now, they wouldn't say it that way, but this is what we're saying. I've got, my life is too full. And I don't have any more room. I'm tired from work. I'm tired from getting, and guess what? That fatigue is real. It's real. It's real. But if you believed, if you were that type of person with the gravity of believing that there is a life after this one, whether it's a, it's a hell or a heaven or whatever, if you believe there is a life coming after this with a million years of existing, of living, thinking, experiencing, you would spend the majority of your energy focusing on that life. But we do not have faith. We can have we can have faith to post Facebook posts at people, to criticize, to be judgmental, we can have faith to you know to pray for things we want, pray against things we don't want. We can have faith to come to church once every few weeks. <laughs> we can have that kind of faith, I guess, and call ourselves Christians. This is what having faith in Christ is. This is why it is a hard road. This is why he calls it carrying your cross every single day because it is difficult. And it goes against the grain of any country, of any system, of any economics. It goes against that grain to live this way. As they said, foolishness to the Greeks, a stumbling block to the Jews, that we would preach Christ crucified, meaning that all of the meaning of all the world, of all the things, of all the situations, of all the questions, everything, the answer is all found in Jesus Christ crucified. But we do not have faith in that thing. I want to invite the worship team on up to kind of wrap us. Now, I say that, and I say it the way that I've said it here. Not to bring guilt or shame, because that is not useful. That's It's not what we need. But what we do need is to wake up. We do need to be reminded. The Apostle Paul actually goes on in this chapter, and he says, you know, to constantly to remind each other of the things that we have been taught, stir it around, pass it around. Because in our nature, we will always tend to shift our gaze to what's in front of us. We will always begin to put our faith in things that we care about, that we focus on. We will easily begin to put our energies into getting getting stuff done the way that we know things get done with money, power, positions, influence, and we will easily drift from the faith. We will always begin to drift and focus on this life and forget or ignore the life that comes, and this is why we have to be reminded of this. So the answer today is not to feel guilty or frustrated with ourselves. But as the Apostle Paul said, to fix our eyes, to realign, to, to re-engage. He said, for those who want everything that God has for them, God requires nothing short of full commitment. Full commitment. So let's encourage you, whatever you need to do, if you guys, uh, even in your table groups, if you even just want to take time to talk about it, why is it so easy to to lose our focus? Why have we shifted? What have we lost? How do we stay focused? How do we encourage each other? How How do we get back to what the faith really is? Whatever you have to do, let's start there. Let's start there.